You are listening to the official Acts 2 podcast. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.acts2orlando.com. How are we doing this morning? Good? All right. I'm going to um, stretch you a little bit. Are you ready? I want you to get up out of your seat and move to another location. Yep. Get up out of your seat, move to a different location. Anywhere you want's fine. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Just need to switch it up just a little bit. Talk amongst yourselves for a moment. You know, there's a story, I can't remember where it is right offhand, uh, in the Old Testament where people would come into the temple to worship, and after worship they were required to leave um, from a different door that, than they came in. And I don't honestly know the significance of it, but my understanding of it is this, that whenever we come together we should... Never walk out of here the same way we came in. And so I just wanted to stir you up a little bit. Is that all right? Now I don't know where everybody is because I know where you sit all the time. This is good. Yeah, just stir it up a little bit. I feel like um, we have a a plan on where we want to go over the next few months. Um, But I'm really feeling like uh, God wants to do something here this morning. And, yeah, I used to hate to hear that when I was a kid, when the pastor would get up there and say, I have a plan, I had a message prepared, but God, and I always just wanted to say, no, you didn't, you didn't prepare. <laughs> and you can get away with that in Pentecostal charismatic churches, I guess, but, um, and I don't know what's going to happen here, I really do feel like we're going to go through the message, but uh, we have been talking over the last three weeks about gifts, right? The gifts of the Father gifts of Jesus and gifts of Holy Spirit, and um, I just want to make a quick preface to all those passages that we've referred to, the gifts of the Father in Romans 12, the gifts of Jesus in Ephesians chapter 4, and the gifts of Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12. If you read those, after every single one, it goes into a description of the body of Christ, which means then our gifts are not for ourselves only. Our gifts do not define our identity. They give us function. Hello? And our function is designed to be inside of the body of Christ. So at some point, I'm just going to give you that assignment. You guys go read 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, and Romans 12, where the gifts are listed and find afterwards that they're all designed to function in the body of Christ, inside the family. Now, when I say family... That's a word that we as a church use here, and you've probably heard it used in other churches, other ministries, and we talk about family, the body of Christ. But as long as I've been in the church, I've recognized that oftentimes we carry our own understanding of family into the church. And not all families are really healthy, right? As a matter of fact, if you grew up in a natural family, it was dysfunctional. At some level, it was dysfunctional, okay? As healthy as it was, there's all all levels of dysfunction at work uh, within the natural family. And we certainly don't have it together here. I'm not suggesting that we do. But what we are going after is kingdom family. And what really defines kingdom family is really, if I could boil it down to one thing, it would be this. You never quit. You never quit. In today's culture, it's really easy to get offended, to get hurt, and to leave one church and jump around to another and stuff like that. The question isn't what we like. The question is, what has God called me to? Is this helping? 
The question is really, what has God called me to? And when God calls you into a family, you stick with it and you say, this is what I'm going to do. Come hell or high water, I'm going to do everything in my power, like Paul says, to live at peace with all men. And I pursue connection. I pursue it at the expense of my own fear. I pursue it at the expense of being offended. Uh, This is kind of hurting this morning, right? It's, it's something that we have to pursue. I don't know that the body of Christ has really seen it yet, but I think it's possible. I really do think it's possible. It's much, rather, it's much better to be sent from a body to go into an assignment that God's giving you than to leave and go in searching of something. That's my firm conviction, absolutely firm conviction, because we are designed in our giftings to work together to fulfill the Great Commission which is to heal the sick, cast out demons, make disciples, right? Raise the dead. This is our great commission. And it works best when we're all functioning together. And what that means is, and, and I didn't grow up in a healthy situation necessarily, um, but what that means is we can't let things go unsaid. We need to say whatever's going on in our heart. We need to communicate with each other in order to find connection and understanding inside. And we have been through... You know, I don't know, over the last few years, we've talked about this off and on. And I'm finding that it's really a happy, wonderful thing to live. If you, home, if you have a family where there's nothing difficult happening in your family and you're not talking about it, that's an unhealthy family. Yes? <laughs> I heard about five people go, yeah, okay? If everything's perfect and nobody talks about anything, no dysfunction, you don't really have a, or no, no problems in the family, you've probably got problems. They're just not being spoken about. So I'm not setting us up for something heavy. Don't get any weird feelings here. I'm just simply saying, I want to get a better understanding of family. I want to know what it's like to be able to be hurt and be able to communicate, hey, what, that, what you did there hurt me. Or to have somebody come and say to me, hey, what you did there really hurt me. That bothered me. And I, and I want to be able to work through that in pursuing connection because inside of that, it grows deeper. And when it grows deeper, we have a lot more trust with each other. And when we have a lot more trust with each other, we can do an awful lot. Do you believe that? So that really is what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks. But I feel like there's a, we need to make room this morning for some healing. And I don't know exactly what it looks like, but can you guys just go with me on this for a little bit? Because I don't want us to drag our past into our future. I, I really don't. I understand it, it really does take an encounter with Jesus to rewire the way we think, to rewire the way we view people, the way we view church, the way we view family. And even though I grew up in a family where my parents were still together, our siblings all talked to each other and stuff, there were still levels of dysfunction in it that taught me to do certain things that I'm discovering as an older guy that it's not necessarily that healthy. And I want to get healthy. We can all get better, amen? We can all get better. So why don't we just do this for a moment? Why don't we just just say, Holy Spirit, we need you to do the very thing that Jesus said you would do. You would guide us into all truth. You would show us things to come. You would remind us of the things that you've spoken. So before we just start talking about it, Holy Spirit, right now, just begin to move in our hearts. to show us what Hebrew says is it opened up a new and living way. And I make declaration this morning that we are a healthy family. We choose to hold on to the good. We choose to live in peace with each other. We choose wholeness. We choose connection. Thank you, Jesus. Some of you I'm feeling right now even might have a struggle of just flashbacks, memories of things that have happened that have gone wrong either in churches or in family. Don't try to ignore that right now. If that's happening, go ahead and let yourself think about that. But as you're thinking about it, just say, Holy Spirit, what do you have to say about this? What do you have to say about this? Because I want healing and I want wholeness. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
God, I want more. You do want more? Do you want more? Yeah, I want more. Holy Spirit, I want more. I want more understanding of what kingdom really looks like. Lord, I want to see in my lifetime a move of the Spirit that is sustained and radically changes the region we live in. And it's not possible on my own. I need the church. I need the body of Christ, Lord. So, Lord, I'm just declaring over this house health and wholeness. I'm declaring growth. I'm declaring that babies are coming into this family. That discipleship is what we will be known for. That we will be known for releasing people into their destinies. Finding their calling, their gifting, the grace on their life to do what it is that God has put on them to do. To see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Can we say amen to that? Amen. All right. All right. There may be more as we go through this, but I want to talk about this as we move forward. So I've given you an assignment, right? Read Ephesians 4, Romans 12, and 1 Corinthians 12. Watch for the places where the body is active and how we need each other. The hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. The parts that we seem, that Robins talks about, that we seem as like the lesser parts, those are the most important parts. We need to recognize there's function. And I've said this before, and I really do believe this. There are no misfits in the body of Christ, only people who have missed their fit. There are no misfits in the body of Christ, only people who have missed their fit. We've got to find out what God has put on us to do and pay attention to it in others. Um, we've been going through as a leadership team a thing called Destiny Finder, and it's been awesome. It's been so wonderful. We've got our core team going through it on Wednesday nights right now, and it's really been amazing and fantastic. What I'm loving about it is uh, I did this over a year ago. I took the assessment over a year ago, but what's fun for me right now is not just watching you know, what God's called me to be and put on me, but watching it in other people, and it's starting to make sense. As I look at the people that I know and I've had a relationship for some time, I look at them and go, yeah, that totally makes sense. That's why you think like that, and that's why I see you thinking like that, but I don't think like that and sometimes think you're weird. <laughs> you're not weird. You're you. I'm weird. You heard what I'm saying? It's so fun to watch that develop and we see that inside of other people and just the way we process, the way we think, the way we talk, all of that is just absolutely wonderful and I think it's really energizing our, our core team and we're having such a good time with it. So we're talking with you now about things we're going through ultimately to move into it as a body. I really am super, super excited about this because here's why. Discipleship in the past, if I were to go around this room and ask every person in here, how do you define discipleship? I would get a different answer from every person. But if I were to ask you, how do you raise the dead? Somebody would just say, you raise the dead. How do you heal the sick? Well, you heal the sick, right? Those things that we have commands to do are very clear, but the making disciples can oftentimes get turned into like, I don't know, we do it this way, we do it this way. Here's what I've discovered in the body of Christ, that making disciples means you come and you do what I do, and when you get released into going to do ministry, you end up doing the very thing that I was doing. Because that's what I learned. But real discipleship is, at the heart, what Proverbs says, raise up a child in the way they should go, and when they are old, they won't depart from it. The way they should go is not my definition. The way they should go is the definition of God on their life. It's my job as a parent to help my children discern what is on their life, what their calling is, what their design, what their makeup is, and help train them in that way so when they're older, they don't depart from that. Does that make sense? It includes discipleship, it includes the word, it includes worship, it includes health and wholeness, it includes all that stuff. But every individual has a unique mark on them to do something. And how many in here have kids? And how many in here that have kids, you know every one of them was different and you didn't have to make them different, right? Every one of them is different. And you start to discover that as they're born and they start to get a little bit older, you start to discover, wow, this one is nothing like that one right there. I can't do the same thing. I can't use the same type of discipline with this one. I, I need something different with this child here. This, they have a different way of thinking. It's that process. And I think oftentimes in the church, we've wanted to restrict discipleship down to this is the way we do things. Expect everybody to form into a certain mold, a certain pattern, instead of recognizing that what we want to do is help people discover what that is. Because if you walk in your gifting, Jay, which is different than mine, but if you walk in your calling, we, and I walk in mine, we're gonna get exponentially more done. Yeah. Way more done than if Jay's trying to do what I'm doing. 
I've had people tell me that before. I don't know why. Not everybody does it, but I've had people tell me that, man, I just want to be like you. Aim higher. <laughs> I ain't that great, okay? Aim higher. Because you being you is way better than you being me. I'm awesome. You can't be me. You be you. You do you. You do you and you do it well. You fly your freak flag, okay? <laughs> you be who you're going to be and be okay with that. But it takes a process of understanding that. But I'm starting to discover as well. For me to discover who I am will never be really truly defined. And I can't hone in on it without family around me, without people around me. We need that to happen. So that's why we're doing this. So Luke chapter 12, verse 32 says this. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So we know then that if our assignment is to bring the kingdom wherever we go, that it's not the Father holding it back. It's his good pleasure to give it to us. If we're not seeing the kingdom happen where we are, wherever we're living, it's not because God is withholding it. It's simply because we're not tuning into what he's doing and what he wants to do with us, right? How many in here have power in them? How many in here have power in them? How many have power in you? Good, I love this. We got our youth. We got our youth on the front row. They're like, yeah, man, I got it right here. I just, you know. Everybody else is second guessing. Well, what do you mean? I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) I'm talking about the kingdom of God. Do you have power? The kingdom of heaven? Do you have it inside of you? Yes. Yes, you do. You do. If we're being honest, though, how often... Do we spend our time, how much time do we spend comparing ourselves to someone else in the way they do ministry? It's true. It's so true. I've watched it. I've seen it so many times. There are people I admire in ministry. There are rock stars in the kingdom, if you would, people I really admire. And I have to be careful because if I'm not careful, I'll end up wanting to shape my life after somebody else that I admire. Now, there's something kind of admirable about that. And there's not, it's not terribly wrong because Paul even said, imitate me as I imitate Jesus. So if you don't know what to do, start with that. But ultimately, to move into a place where we are full contact, kingdom people, where we're living it out completely, we've got to discern and discover what God has inside of us. And I need people around me to help, help find that. So the question is, what does this look like? Destiny is found in family. That's the title of the message this morning. Destiny is found in family. So I'm going to read a couple of passages of scripture, and we're going to look at a few people here that found it. 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 16. This is when Saul... Uh, was being anointed to be king over Israel. You guys know the story. And he's out looking for donkeys because his father lost them. And while he's doing that, God speaks to Samuel and says, here's what's happening. And he speaks to Samuel and says this, tomorrow about this time, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin and you shall anoint him commander over my people Israel that he may save my people from the hand of the Philistines. For I have looked upon my people because their cry has come to me. But tomorrow, so here's Samuel, he's got a word, he doesn't know who this guy is, but tomorrow this guy's going to show up and Samuel's going to give him this word. And you move on to 1 Samuel chapter 10 verse 6, he anoints him, Samuel anoints Saul and prays for him and tells him this, the spirit of the Lord will come upon you and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. You guys are familiar with the story? He says, you're going you're gonna to meet some prophets along the road, and you're going to begin to prophesy with them, and you'll be turned into another man. In other words, now that you're anointed, when you see the prophets, you will be turned into another person. And we know the story. He's walking down the road. He sees the prophets, and all of a sudden, he begins to prophesy with them. And everybody's looking at him going, is he one of the prophets now? Because this was not a normal thing. We didn't have it like we do in New Covenant, where everybody can prophesy. How many here can prophesy? Put your hands up. Come on, everybody in the room, you got to put your hands up. Who can prophesy in the room? Yeah, as a matter of fact, if you really want to own it, put both hands up. You can prophesy. Yes, you can. You can do it. Yes, you can. You can. This was not normal in Old Covenant. When you had people who prophesied, they were like the elite group. They were the ones that heard from God. And so Saul's walking along, and he meets these prophets, and he begins to prophesy, and everybody starts asking, what is this Saul? He's he's one of these guys now. Is is he one of the prophets now? Here's the story. The emphasis in our world 
is finding your gift and anointing. This is modern day Christianity ministry. It's finding your gifting and your anointing, and that's good, but it's about finding family. I love this story because when, Paul, when Saul came into the group that he was supposed to be with, all of a sudden he got turned into another man. You see why this is important that we find our family? This is really important. I have a natural family, but I have a spiritual family as well. And this is very, very important to me. I don't do ministry on my own. I don't live on an island. We can't live like that. We need a family around us. That's the story of what happens with Saul. That, but the emphasis in our world is all about gifting. It's all about anointing. Let's find out what that is. What's my calling? What's my thing? I'm going to go do this thing. It's so unfortunate for me to watch it. But uh, in my makeup and in my design, I'm, uh, I'm a, uh, I see how things are connected. It's part of how my brain works. Everything that I see, I see it connected. I look at a box of cereal. This is how my brain works. I will look at a box of cereal, and my mind will often think, that was on the shelf in the store. Before that, it was in a warehouse. Before that, it was in a, ma- it was in a shipping container. Before that, it was in a manufacturing house. I-, I think connected. I think about that kind of stuff. I think about this, this originated somewhere. Yeah, almost every time I get something in the mail, I think about the number of hands that it's gone through. I call it weird if you want. That's okay. I'm fine with that. That's just how my brain thinks. But in that, I've always looked at the body of Christ with kind of a unique little thing. Because I look at that and go, nobody can do this on their own. And whatever you have in your life, you got that from somebody else. You guys tracking with me? You learned, you were brought up, whether it was passively, actively, you learned something that brought you to where you are now. I am more and more convinced that we will get more done, though, if we're active about who we're connecting with and who we're gleaning from. I used to learn passively as a musician. I used to learn passively. I would go to concerts and I would watch the bass player because I was a bass player and I'd watch them and I'd look at their instrument and I'd look at their gear and I'd pay really close attention the entire concert to how they're playing and stuff. Now we got YouTube. You can do anything with YouTube, right? You can learn through YouTube, right? You guys still tracking with me? But you can't be taught what's going on and what you're learning that isn't necessarily correct through that. Because it can't talk to you. It can't see what you're doing and be able to say, okay, you're getting it, but if you don't change this right here, you're going to learn it wrong. This is why we need each other. It's so fun to, to work with my, my son. He's 14 years old. He's taking a music theory class in school, and that was what I did. I was a music theory major in school. And to hear him ask me questions about, okay, what is this right here, and how does this progression work right there? I'm like, I know that he could learn this by going to the class, but there's something about having the connection with me outside of class that's going to exponentially put him ahead. Does this make sense? This is the way it's supposed to work within the body of Christ. If somebody comes into a a recognition and an understanding that I carry an apostolic calling, what's the best thing you can do? Get around an apostle. Why? Because especially someone who's been down the road, this is what I have in my my journal that we write in, that what do I want to do to to cultivate the calling in my life? I want to get really close to people who have been doing this for some time. I want to follow them. I want to ask questions. There's things I want to know. I want to know the good, the bad, and the ugly about all this stuff. Because when I get that, without just listening, I understand a lot more about it. And I can glean from it. It's designed to be that way. Any destiny outside of family is a perversion of destiny. Can we say that? Any destiny outside of family is a perversion of destiny. What is a perversion? It's just simply another version. Right? It's another version. When you think about perversion... Oftentimes our mind go into like the weird like sexual perversion stuff or whatever. It's just simply look, it's another version of something. It's the wrong version. It's got the heart that's looking for something, but it's the wrong version. And it's the same thing with destiny. Any destiny outside a family is a perversion of destiny. Why? Because we need each other. Is this making sense yet? Yeah. The fullest destiny is found in the people God has called you to. Saul had the right destiny. He got the word of the Lord. But he needed to be with the right family. He needed to be with the prophets before it actually changed his life. And when they found him, he was changed according to the word right there. There's some other people here. How about Saul, who was turned into Paul? Look in Acts chapter 9 for a moment. I'm going to read a few passages here. You guys know Acts chapter 9, the big conversion of Saul, when he came from being the Pharisee of Pharisees to where God rocked his world a little bit. Then Saul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked asked letters from him 
to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Here's the assignment. Here's the call. Look down at verse 26 now. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. Here he is trying to connect, but he's needing to connect with the right people. It took a Barnabas to find his full destiny. It took a Barnabas to come into connection with him and say, yep, I know who you are and I'm really scared of you, but I see what God has done in your life. I see something. Um, has anybody ever had that happen to you before where somebody like you would see as a mentor or somebody that's pretty boss in what they do has come to you and said, you know, I see something on you right here. I'd like to help you with that a little bit. Has that ever happened to anybody? It's a wonderful thing to have that happen. I had it happen to me in 1999 when I got free of all the junk that was going on in my life. About a year later, I had a leader I really admired. He came to me and he said, you know, I'd really like to take the next year and kind of mentor you. Let's see if we can find out what God's doing with you. I was so honored to be a part of that. And I got to spend time with this individual and work with them and getting close, do some trips with them, um, see how they do ministry, ask questions, that kind of stuff. I was so honored to have that. We need to find people like that in our lives. We need to find people like that. And let me tell you something, guys. The leaders in this church here, it's what their heart is for. It really is. We want to help people find their destiny. We want to help people find their calling, their, their gifting, their grace, whatever it is. Even if it's something that we don't do here necessarily, we want to help launch people into that because there's something beautiful about seeing connection happen and then it turn into a release of the kingdom. Without Barnabas, we might be missing 13 books of the Bible. You see the importance of what's happening here. It wasn't just you go to Jerusalem and start connecting and everybody's going to love you. No, he needed to find his people. He needed to find the right person. Without that connection with Barnabas, 13 books of the Bible might not, might not have been included. Now, I know God's sovereign and all that stuff, but I want to go down the road of that. I just want to really recognize that we need people in our lives. The next one is Ruth. Ruth chapter 4. You guys familiar with Ruth? For time's sake, I'm not going to read it. You guys know the story. It's a wonderful story, and if you don't, go read it. Just go read Ruth. Um, Naomi gets married, uh, has two boys. The boys get married. The boys die. The dad dies. She tells the daughter-in-laws, go ahead and go back to your family. And Ruth says, nope, you're my family. You're my family. Now, why is that important with Ruth? Because if Ruth hadn't recognized that her natural family may not be her family, that it's the family that she married into, and there's some spiritual dynamics with this church, we need to recognize this. When you recognize the family that God has placed you in, your destiny could be life-changing and world-changing. Ruth said, I'm not leaving you, Naomi. Entreat me not to leave you, that famous passage, right? Wherever you go, I'm gonna go. Wherever you lodge, I'm gonna lodge. Where you're buried, I'm gonna be buried. And in doing so, she found the husband she was supposed to marry. And out of that came Obed. Out of that came Jesse. We have Jesus that comes out of that bloodline because of that right there. Is this making sense this morning? There's, just, there's something powerful about finding the people that God has called you to connect with and connect with them. But don't connect in a passive way. Say, I need to come into this and be in this thing. Because... I'm recognizing the older that I get, time is a lot shorter. You see the end a lot sooner, the older. And I'm not that old, but it's, I see it a lot clearer now than I did when I was 25. Let's put it that way. I see it and I recognize it and I go, this time thing is getting short. I don't want to waste time. 
I don't want to waste time anymore just showing up at a church and doing pretty good things. We, I need to find my people. I need to find, which is you guys, obviously, but I need to find the people around me who are going to help propel all of us into the future because I've got a vision. I had a vision years ago before I ever moved to this city. God gave me a vision of it. And it, it looked like this. You guys ready to hear this? I saw a vision of like, you know how the space shuttle flies up and it takes pictures and you can see the state of Florida? Have you ever seen pictures like that? I saw it like that. I saw the state of Florida and I saw a giant hand with an eyedropper full of some golden liquid. I think it was just revival. It was the kingdom. It was heaven. It was all that stuff. And I saw a hand come over the state and it dropped one drop over Orlando and it hit and it went and went across the entire state of Florida. And immediately I knew that, that it's not about one individual. This thing is about catching what God is releasing and everybody getting in on it and it spreads all over the state. There have been numbers of prophecies about revival in Orlando and in Florida, right? We all know this, right? Here's, what, here's my question with that. If we all know that, why are we waiting? Really, why are we waiting? I don't think we can do it alone. We need each other and we need the fullness of each other operating in this. Our school, OSSM, we're not running it this semester, but I see the students that have come out of that school and I'm like, man, this is, this is what I'm talking about here. People starting to recognize who they are, what they've got inside of them and what they can possibly do. And not only do they get that and they start doing it, you put them around other people like that and whew, they burst into flames. You, you want to watch it? I'm serious. If you really want to watch it and you're really scared, but you really want to know what it looks like, go down Halloween night to Crane's Roost Park. Go down there and just stand at that tent. Just stand there and watch. You will walk away going, what just happened? Don't let it scare you. Step into it. Don't, are you guys hearing me this morning? We're, we're looking for... We, it's this thing on the Western church. We're looking to come into a building, sit in chairs, have a guy stand on a, or a girl stand on a platform, talk to us, tell us what the kingdom is about, thinking that we're going to mature when maturity can't happen in this building. It can't happen in this building. We are educated far beyond our obedience. Far beyond our obedience. We know more about the word than most people do in China, but they're getting more done. Why is that? Why is that? Because they're living it. They're out there living it. They're recognizing my destiny can't be learned in a room. We learn certain things, but I don't fully discover it, and I can't own it. I can't own my apostleship. I can't own my prophet. That's who I am. I can't own my leader. I can't own that until I get put into a place where I have to use it. When I first started music school... I did two years at a junior college, then I transferred to Belmont University in Nashville. It's a really good school. And I got a scholarship to go there. I was dumbfounded. I couldn't believe it. But I got a scholarship to go there. And so when I auditioned, I did the audition, I got a scholarship. But part of the scholarship required that I audition for everything that was offered as a bass player. That's what I had. I had to audition for everything that was offered. And I went into a uh, jazz combo thing. There was two jazz combos, uh, group one and group two, and I had to audition for those. So I go in there, and there's like nine or ten other bass players auditioning for this spot. And I get in there, and I'm sitting in a room like this, and he's calling everybody up on stage to do the audition. You know those things that are like really awkward? You know what I'm talking about? It's like, man, everybody's staring at me right now, and I feel like I'm naked in front of everybody. And so I'm sitting there back there where you guys are. I'm watching everybody up here, and I'm watching these guys audition, and I'm going, I can't do that. 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 So you know what I did? I got up and I walked out. I got up and I walked out and I was like, I can't do that. A couple of hours later, I'm walking across campus and the leader of that group sees me. So he comes and grabs me and he goes, how come you didn't audition? And I said, I can't do that. He goes, get your stuff, meet me in my office in 10 minutes. So I grabbed all my gear and I ran to his office and I'm thinking I am in trouble. I am in big trouble here. He didn't say anything about that. He just, he, I got into his office and I set up with my gear and he, sax player, keyboard player and stuff, and he goes, you're going to audition right now with me. And so he started playing stuff and I started playing and, you know, I'm thinking this really sucks. I, I'm not going to be good at this, right? You know, I do it. And then a couple of days later, I see the list out in Horton Hall. I see the list out there and there I am, bass player for group number one. And, and I'm like, I am way out of my depth here. I'm, I'm way, way out of my depth here. 
And, and I asked him why, and he said, well, Andrew, it's because a lot of those other guys can play, but you know how to listen. So I was complimented with that, and I thought, that's really great. Okay, wonderful. So we start our f- first few weeks of rehearsal, and when they're in there playing, we're trying to play a Yellow Jackets tune, which is a really, that's a hard band to follow. And they, he's got charts out in front of us and stuff, and we're playing, and I'm playing. And after about three weeks, he comes up to me during the rehearsal, during us trying to play the song, he comes up to me, and he goes like this. Takes my music away, and he goes, just play it. Just play it. Now, I've told that story to our worship team here before because it it works. I didn't realize what I could do until he really put me in a pinch. You don't realize who you are and what you can do until you're in a pinch. And you won't discover that on your own. You can't discover it in your bedroom. It takes people around you. Come on, am I helping you this morning? How many want to reach their full potential? Yeah, everybody does at some level. I'm just saying, church, we've got to shift church culture. We've got to shift this thing where we come in and think that I'm going to hear a little bit more and somehow I'm going to be able to do things. You're not, it will never happen. I know it will never happen because I've seen it in the church my entire life. And if I look historically throughout the church, it doesn't happen like that. That's why we want to activate. That's part of what I wanted to do this morning and just having you shift chairs. I just want to make you uncomfortable a little bit. That's part of my gifting too, you know that? <laughs> Pastors want to make you comfortable. I'm not a pastor. I'm not interested in your comfort. I'm interested in your growth. I want to grow. I want to see a group of people that do this. Now, I I am willing to lead, and I'm doing it, and I stretch myself, and I do things. I'm in a season right now where I feel God, like, scaring me a little bit with some stuff of just coming back to some things that I've known, but even moving deeper and risking and I think there's something with that. I think if we could decide that we're going to be a culture of people who are going to take risk and move into it, that we're going to be vulnerable with each other, that we're going to talk about, this is where I'm really messed up. This is where I really have a hard time. This is where it's difficult for me. When we can start doing those kinds of things, we start seeing breakthrough and we start seeing change. So here's what I want to do. I want to give a testimony, but Mindy, you go ahead and come on up here if you would. You still in here, Mindy? There you are. Let go of the baby. Put the baby down. I don't know why that just went Scottish. I don't. <laughs> Mindy's coming up here. She's going to share. Yeah, come hey on, bless guys. her. Hi. Bless her really good. Hi. Mindy's been leading our call ministry, and I just got to say, when Mindy came to us, the first few times I met her, I was like, this girl's serious. She's like putting the screws to me, like wanting to know certain things about church and life and ministry and stuff. I was Here's struggling. What, she was struggling. She Is was, God real? How do I know? But Prove it. it. But it was, it was wonderful because what I was hearing coming out of her was not a passive thing of like, I'm going to come to this church and just see how well it works. She no. was in and she was asking questions go, and saying, this is what I need. This is what I need from you. This is what I'm looking for. This is what I've been through. And just really leaning in. And she's boss. So if you don't know her, you're, you're missing out. That's all I'm saying. So go ahead. Oh, it's so nice hearing his perspective of that time. Because yeah. it was crazy. It was crazy. I would just start crying randomly. It yeah. Was, it was crazy. Yeah. It was awesome. He back, am I scaring you? I'm like, yes. <laughs> it was awesome. So <laughs> I have some good and sad but happy news. So I have been leading this awesome young adults ministry for the past two years and a half. Look at them. Look at everyone. They're so cute. And um, Blake. Oh, look at Blake before the hair. Um, but with us transitioning into a home group culture, um, I have decided that it's time to transition our whole group. So next, this Tuesday, the 29th, will be our last group meeting. And uh, I've encouraged everyone in the group that we're going home group. So adopt a youth or a young adult, guys. We're, we're hanging around. Just adopt us. Take us a coffee. We can pay. We can help out with that kind of stuff. But that was our very first meeting. Oh, Aww. look at that. We had tacos. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to share about the ministry in general. So I am 34 years old. <laughs> I have great pictures. So I'm 34 years old, and I've been a Christian since I've been 16, and I've been leading in different ministries, and something kind of happens in Christianity as a young person, um, and 
you guys kind of think, sometimes the body just thinks that we have unlimited time to serve everyone, but take care of our personal household. So my 20s, I, not that I wasted time, I served the Lord fervently, I gave up my time, but I wasn't necessarily wise with all of my choices, finances, all that kind of stuff. So I realized, you know, 30 years old, single, I might need to worry about my budget, I need to get a 401k, who's got life insurance, make sure you actually have a beneficiary's name on it, because if you die, no one gets it, like, you know, just budgeting, all that kind of stuff. So me and Andrew talked about having a young adult ministry here, and I was like, I can't do another just worship set, and mm-hmm. and me speaking, I was like, I need help, so we need to get speakers, and teach us how to buy houses, what's the call in our life, so uh, the main categories that we've been pursuing is our minds, our hearts, our bodies, our spirits, our household, just so we can answer the call of God in our life. So that's been what we've been doing for the past two years. It's been hard. I've been, hey, we talk about some crazy things. <laughs> we stretch because that's important. <laughs> for those of you who don't come, this, these are things that happen. We pray for people. I make people pray for people. That's what's happening there. <laughs> But I have some testimonies of things that have happened over the past couple of years. So we have consumed probably thousands of pounds of pizza, snacks, coffee, and thrown away thousands of pounds of vegetables because no one eats them <laughs> when I buy them. They, I always try and then they just go bad in the fridge. But music has been created and released from people in our group. Um, people have stepped up in boldness with singing in front of people and people have moved into their own places or moved out of bad situations. People have written books and stories. Uh, people have launched their baking careers and businesses. Uh, a lot of us have had very difficult conversations <laughs> with each other, um, <laughs> with, <laughs> with the people in our lives, really working through conflict because in our group, like, I don't know. God's just really gifted me to not allow us to sit in places. But also as the leader of the group, I have a great group that I've been able to be a part of where Blake has definitely called me out about, how can you lead and struggle with that? You need to take care of that. You're being like, whoa. Hey, you don't have to correct me. I'm the leader. No, correct each other. It's good. Um, We have grown in spiritual gifts, especially in accuracy. Like, guys, when we go out to have pizza or coffee, you better believe it. It's like, oh, we're going to prophesy over the people. And our whole group would just like destroy the people around us for the glory of God. It's really good. Like we did it at Jeremiah's. We did it at, um, we went to that burger place, Shake Shack. And we prophesied over these like high school kids. And they were like, how do you know these things? And we're like, Jesus. But yeah, I make them do the things when we're in public. Um, we've gotten new jobs. People have gotten commissions, raises. and That's a real thing. I don't work where I used to work at Friends. And I didn't think that we would have gotten this close. A lot of us didn't know each other at the beginning, but we've persevered through, when I say awkward conversations, I'll just tell you, we've talked about addictions to like porn, um, dating. We've talked about how broke we are. We talked about credit scores. Like we have, I ripped off that Band-Aid. But um, it's just been, as, as the person who's been gifted the opportunity to lead all of you guys, it's just been such an honor that you would even listen to my crazy perspective, that you would watch the crazy videos I make you watch, that you would do the stretches I tell you to do. So, so for those of you who don't know, uh, in our group, I'm really big on planning and schedules and like make the best use of your time. So as a, so when you're a group, this is the last quarter of the year. You got three more months-ish to do something great. So when you're 40 years old, you can say 2019 was either a great year or a bad year. So everyone, you still have time quickly as you can, and then do it again, what your year is going to look like. Read your book. Sit with your planner. Make time for the things you value, because you are giving your time away, whether you think you are or not. So plan for it. Do your laundry. (laughs) Drink water every day. Stretch every day. Take risk with people and your calling for Jesus. Eight, never stop hoping in the goodness of God for your life. And number nine, you are better than you know. And I just want to like bless everyone that we've been doing life together. And I just want to say these few things to you. Thank you for letting me be a part of your life. I'm proud of you. I bless you. I call the gold out of you, and I declare you are good, and what you carry is unique, good, and needed for the body of Christ. Yes. You see what I'm talking about, right? 
Yeah. Yeah, that's what it takes. It's that kind of it's that kind of life. It's that kind of coming together, finding your people, saying, I'm gonna do this, get down, get dirty, do all the stuff we need to do to work through this. Talk about the, the secret places in my life. Don't let shame rule us, don't let fear rule us. This is what it takes to do this. Living the Christian life and being effective in the kingdom. It takes people, it takes the family, and that's the only way it's gonna work. So I'm gonna put this out there and say it like this. The question in all of this is not what am I supposed to be doing? That's a common question. What are you going to do with your life? What are you going to do with your life? What are you going to do with your life? This is what I'm going to do with my life. The question isn't so much just about what am I supposed to doing. The question is, what am I supposed to be doing and who am I supposed to be doing it with? Because nobody can do it alone. Nobody can do it alone. Um, I'm going to tell another testimony um, real quick. And Sarah's here, so you, you might want to record this. Uh, I'm, this is about Jack. Now, Jack doesn't know that I'm doing this. Um, but it's okay. I love him. He loves me. And if he's really mad about this, he can forgive me because he has to. <laughs> um, it was a while back, a number of months back, Jack was telling me about a business uh, venture that he was looking into doing with a family member. And, you know, as we're talking about it, I could tell this thing's a pretty big commitment. I mean, there was a lot of uh, initial money to put out there to get started into this, to buy into it, to, to taking risk of renting a place and then having to build it out and recognizing that construction never goes the way it's supposed to go, right? If they tell you it's going to take six months, it'll take 10 months, you know? Um, and just the challenges he was facing as we were communicating his is going through all this stuff and just obstacle after obstacle, but then there'd be breakthrough and there's more obstacles. Um, but just a couple of weeks ago, uh, the restaurant that he is doing with another family member um, opened up in, in uh, Delan. And it's Kiki's. You guys might be familiar with it. This, this breakfast place, right? Well, I believe, if, if I'm not mistaken, there's 47 of them in the state of Florida. And he went through the risk, stood on faith, just had positive attitude. There was down days, but he kept coming back going, I know it's going to work. I know it's going to work. I was going to do this thing. And I was shooting texts back and forth with him, just blessing him and praying for him. And it opened up a couple of weeks ago. And out of 47 stores, I think he's consistently remained, what, number two and number three? Since he opened. Yeah. Out of all the stores. Now... That's a, that's a pretty big deal because DeLand is a wide spot in the road. You know, there's not a lot of people up there, right? There's, it's, just, it's a tiny town, but to be able to do that out of stores that are in major metropolitan areas and to be able to accomplish that is a really, really big deal. But I'm saying all this to say, I admire Jack. I admire his tenacity, his, his faith, his risk that's inside of him to get the word of the Lord on what he's supposed to do and go do it, recognizing there's difficulty involved. And at the same time, talking to him just this week, I mean, he has served faithfully in this house too, doing multiple different things. And he's always one of these kinds of guys. It's like, I know what he was going through getting this restaurant ready, but every time I would see him, he would say this to me, do you need anything? Do you need anything? Do you need anything? And I'm like going, I know what's going on in your life right now. No, I don't need a thing. What do you need, you know? <laughs> but that's the attitude. And I'm saying all that to say this. I just... I see inside of him this thing where he recognizes family. He recognizes the need for each other in all of this. And even this last Wednesday, he was a little, he looked a little pie-eyed. When I looked at him, he looked tired. And he's starting this restaurant. And I said, you okay? And he goes, yeah, I am. I'm really tired. But he goes, you know what? I'm just, I'm, I can't wait for the day when I can get Sundays off. When I can get Sundays off. He goes, I miss my family. I miss being here. I miss being with you guys. And I'm like, this, this is so good. This is so right. It's not about going to church. It's about being with the family. So is that help, you guys? That's so good. I just, I'm so proud of him. And so here's what you need to do. Go to DeLand as soon as you're done here and go to Kiki's and get some, and I'm serious. I'm picky about breakfast. I don't like to eat breakfast out a lot because I'm picky about it. That food is good. That food was awesome. I don't know how good for you it is, but it was good. So, so if you want some good food, just go up there and get some good food. I just think it would be fun as a family to honor him in that as well. You know, just the risk, the faith he took in doing that. If you can't get up there today, they only are, or are only open until 2.30 every day. So you got to get up there at some point. It's wonderful. Say hi to him. I know he'll hug you and bless you guys. So um, is, is this good this morning? Yeah. 
I'm hoping that all of this is making sense. I just, I really want to get rid of this come to church, go to church kind of mentality and start to recognize we need each other. We need each other so bad. And if this is where God's called you to be, then let's start getting into it with each other. Let's start getting through all the difficult stuff, talking about those things so that we can all walk into our destiny together because I have a dream. (laughs) I do. Like Martin Luther King, I have a dream, but my dream, I really do, guys. This is, this, if you were to ask me what's the one thing in your life that makes you weep and pound the table, it would be this right here, that we would see sustained right revival in the region of Orlando. That's what makes me do it. And I just know we can't do it. It's not going to be a man on a stage or a woman on a stage preaching a gospel, which is wonderful. It's going to be way more than that. It's going to be the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. We have declarations. One of, them, one of the lines in our declaration says, everywhere I go becomes a perfect health zone. Do you believe it? Yes. If you know who you are and you know what you're carrying inside of you and you get around the right people, you'll see it. You'll see it happen. Somebody stand up here. I want to pray a prayer over you. And I couldn't make this as good as I wanted, so I thought, well, why don't I just go back to what Paul prays? found in Ephesians 3 verse 14 and following I want you to close your eyes and I want you just to absorb this okay just to absorb this just to take it in and let it speak to you okay just everybody close your eyes here's Paul praying for the church at Ephesus and he says this for this reason I bow my knees to the father of our Lord Jesus Christ from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, the height. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, and above all that we could ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen? Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Listen, I want you to, I seriously, I want you to take some time this week. I want you to meditate. I want you to really ponder what is God calling you to? What is he speaking to you? We're in, a, we're in a place right now where we can move, where we can represent to a world around us the incredible, wonderful manifestation of the glory of God. And I want to see it happen. Amen? Amen. All right. Ministry teams, make your way up here. If you guys need prayer for anything at all, healing, you just need someone to connect with you and pray for you, make your way up here. They're going to be up here. God bless you all. Thank you for listening to the Acts 2 podcast. Love God, love people, and live life.